In November 2014, an organization called Students for Fair Admissions, or SFFA for short, filed a lawsuit against Harvard University. Led by conservative legal strategist Edward Bloom, SFFA alleged that the college's holistic admissions processes discriminate against Asian American applicants on the basis of unfair personal ratings. There's a fight heating up in the education world over the use of race in college admissions. You cannot remedy past discrimination with new discrimination, and that's what colleges but, are but doing. But the, the, the discrimination was so extensive that we had to make colleges just for black people so we could go to college. Well, Asians are the largest growing segment in the American populace, and yet their numbers at, at your Harvards, at your elite universities, don't change. Harvard, of course, disagrees. And interestingly enough, this isn't the first time Ed Bloom has tried to dismantle affirmative action. If you remember the Fisher versus University of Texas at Austin case from a few years ago, you'll know that Ed Bloom helped a white high school senior named Abigail Fisher file a lawsuit against UT Austin, claiming that she didn't get in because of the university's race-conscious admission policies discriminating against her. SFFA versus Harvard basically argues the same thing. But this time, the university in question is Harvard, and the plaintiffs are Asian, not white. But the thing is, Asian Americans themselves don't agree on what the outcome of this case should be, much less about how they feel about affirmative action. Asian Americans do face racial discrimination in the U.S., but I don't think that they should be spending their energy fighting discrimination against a case where there's very little evidence that we face disadvantage. That was Janelle Wong, Asian American Studies professor at the University of Maryland. But according to Shi Hong Tsai and Bing Tsai, two Chinese immigrant parents with a college-aged son. But once in a while, we are a minority, but we are not really protected by affirmative action. We are sort of discriminated by affirmative punished, action. Yeah. So. While this podcast isn't intended to be a completely comprehensive report on Asian Americans, Harvard, and affirmative action, we'll be exploring a number of topics surrounding the ongoing case, SFFA versus Harvard. How did affirmative action come to be? What is the personal rating? And what is the Asian American community doing about it all? I'm Karina. I'm Sion. I'm Eric. I'm Tara. I'm DJ. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Marco. And we're part of a seven-member research team from Amherst College. Each of us will be hosting an episode of this podcast. But before we dive in, let's do some introductions. By sharing our backgrounds and how we got interested in this case, we'll provide some personal context for the next six episodes. Join us. You're listening to Veritas, the truth behind Asian Americans and affirmative action. Affirmative action began with Executive Order 10925, signed by President John F. Kennedy in 1961. Since then, it has evolved legally to become an extremely restricted method of race-conscious admissions. Race can only be a factor of a factor in college admissions, and affirmative action is about diversity and diversity only. From Baki to Gruder, the court has managed to uphold affirmative action under its limiting circumstances, but with recent cases like Fisher, now the SFFA versus Harvard case, and a more conservative Supreme Court, the future of affirmative action remains precarious. So that's a very quick summary of the legal side of things. And looking at a more specific aspect of the history behind this case, I will be exploring the history of the personal rating in my podcast episode. 
What is this category that the SFFA is basing their legal argument on? How did the personal rating category even come to be in the first place? And did I actually get rejected from Harvard because of my personality? I'm Sion, and I'll be trying to answer these questions by examining the history of this elusive category and looking at how Harvard makes its admissions decisions today. See you in episode two, titled, I Got Rejected from Harvard and It Feels Personal. Now, the personal rating certainly seems to be a big part of the lawsuit, but how does it factor into the arguments exactly? And what are some of the deeper disagreements regarding how broader ideals such as fairness and equality relate to affirmative action? I'm Eric, and these are some of the questions I'll be addressing in episode 3. I've chosen this topic because I think there's been a lot of discussion on the facts and evidence of the case, trying to figure out if Harvard is actually guilty. There isn't nearly as much about these more philosophical matters. By unpacking these questions, I'm hoping that we can all better understand where both sides are coming from. Hi, my name is DJ, and I am the host of episode 4 of Veritas. In episode 4, called Edward Bloom, the man, the model minority myth, the legend, I will be taking you on a trip into the mind of Edward Bloom, the man behind the most prolific affirmative action cases to date. I hope to reveal the ways of thinking he evokes to justify his crusade against race-based policies. My aim is to better understand the who in order to find an answer to why. But how do Asian Americans themselves actually feel about all of this? I'm Sabrina, and I grew up living the classic second-generation Chinese-American child of immigrants experience in California's Silicon Valley. I remember hearing a lot of discussions surrounding affirmative action, stuff about a bill called SCA-5, stuff about how I needed to score 150 points higher on the SAT than my white peers to get into college. I got curious, and I asked my mom, where was she getting all of these news reports, these statistics? Her answer? WeChat, a wildly popular Chinese social media app used widely by first-generation Chinese immigrants like my mom. I'll be back in episode 5, WeChatting Affirmative Action, I Heard It on the Chinese Mom Grapevine, where I'll be investigating how WeChat facilitates affirmative action-related discourse and organizing among Chinese immigrant communities. However, Asian Americans isn't synonymous to just Chinese Americans. Representing over 30 different nationalities and ethnic groups, from Hmong to Laotian, Pakistani to Sri Lankan, Vietnamese to Samoan, Asian American identity is diverse, not to mention complicated as heck, especially when you factor in things like socioeconomic and immigrant statuses. So why is it that in the affirmative action debate, we tend to find the same narrative, the one of the wronged, overachieving Chinese American student? My name is Tara, and in episode 6, Spilling the Cha, we explore some of these underrepresented viewpoints, including those of low-income, first-gen college students. So here's our point. The truth behind Asian Americans and affirmative action is a reflection of the stories we choose to tell. Whether it be underrepresented viewpoints, Chinese moms on WeChat, or statistics, philosophy, and law, We need to combine these narratives to paint a larger picture of the dynamics and consequences of Asian American higher education. We're using this podcast as a platform to share these narratives and as a way to share our hidden stories. My name is Karina, and I'll be joining you in episode two, titled, I Got Rejected from Harvard and It Feels Personal, with insight on the statistics used in the SFFA versus Harvard case, as well as in episode six, titled Spilling the Cha, Subtle Asian American Perspectives, to discuss South Asian American viewpoints. Sabrina here again. So that concludes the first episode of Veritas. While we don't claim to be experts on any of these topics, 
we hope that these episodes will give you a look into the complexities of this case and affirmative action more generally. You've been listening to Veritas, the truth behind Asian Americans and affirmative action. Hi, this is Professor Franklin Odo. These podcasts are products of a research colloquium that I taught in the American Studies Department of Amherst College. We are grateful for support from Associate Dean Austin Surratt and from Catherine Epstein, Provost and Dean of the Faculty at Amherst College.